think through this question with us today on Abounding Grace. What do you really love? Do you really love when only when things go your way? Or do you really love what the Lord's doing in the ministry? That's the test. Because you realize, right, things are not always going to go your way. Anybody ever tell you that? It's true. Things aren't always going to go our way. We live in a fallen world filled with fallen people with all kinds of nuances and things that pastors don't even control. But see, Jesus promised to be your all in all. He died for you. Everything about Jesus is worth your commitment to him and your surrender to him. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You When things aren't going the way we think they should at church or someone rubs you the wrong way, are you quick to criticize? Many of us have that tendency if we're honest. But today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor urges us to refrain from that sort of thing. Nothing good is accomplished through our criticism of others. As we begin our study of 1 Corinthians 4 today, we discover the Apostle Paul even faced criticism. How he handles it really speaks volumes. I'm not judged by you or a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. And that's an interesting thought we'll get to in a second. He says, I don't even judge myself. You might want to mark that because it's going to be a releasing phrase for you as you learn how to live this out. He says, for I know nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. So Paul puts it out there that he's not too concerned with their judgment of him. He's not too concerned with what they think. He's not too concerned with their response. He's not too concerned on how they receive or don't receive what he has to say. He's not too concerned about that. In fact, he takes it even one step further and he says, I don't even judge myself. As people would judge and criticize Paul, he approached it with maturity and confidence that he had in the Lord. Paul didn't consider their evaluation all that important. You know, when he started to put in the balances, their criticism and their, their evaluation and how he lived in commitment and surrender to the Lord, he always put the Lord first. And his motto, you know, is this key is I'm just leaving it all to God and God's going to judge and God's going to sort it all out, even if I fail. And it's always a wonderful balance because he says, I don't know anything against myself. That's another way of saying I've got a clear conscience. And that's a great way to live your life. Great ingredient just to lay down at bed and, you know, take, to go to sleep at night and just have a clean conscience. Just to know that you're okay with the Lord. I don't even judge myself, but he doesn't find anything against himself. He has a clean conscience. But just because he has a clean conscience doesn't mean he's going to lean on his own understanding. Because you can have a clean conscience and still not know that you really jacked somebody up that day. You don't know yet that you really messed it. We missed the mark. And we can go to bed with a clean conscience, and that's not the only measurement. It's the Holy Spirit giving us a freedom in his evaluation of us. You know, one of the easiest habits, and I see it from where I'm at, and, and I'm even guilty of it myself, and one of the easiest habits to fall into is to become critical 
and to criticize all the time. And you know what you do when you do that? You make yourself the final judge. As if you're, or I'm, let's just use me as an example. When I'm critical and I start to criticize, then I make myself the final standard. And it's an easy habit to fall into. You can find things to criticize all over the place. You, well, you know, the truth is you find what you're looking for, right? So if you wake up in the morning with a whole critical spirit, then all you're going to be is critical all day. Can't believe they did this. What is this going on? What were they thinking? And, and, and it's just an easy habit to fall into, to, to criticize. Once you go down that road, and, and some of you are on the road right now, just to let you know, there is no end to it. You'll never end. It'll only get worse. You find three things to criticize, you'll find ten. You find ten, you find fifteen. You find you just it never ends. It's a bottomless pit. And oftentimes, a critical spirit leads to a frustrated person, leads to bitterness, leads to well. Often, our judging is one-sided. Often, we judge one-sided. Our criticisms are just one-sided, and it's very easy for people to jump off the the edge into criticism with only one side of the story, where somebody gets to you first. And they plead their case for you. And it's so compelling that your first response is, how could they, how, what? It it reminds me a lot of like David when when Nathan came to confront him. And he shared the story and David just like, Nathan didn't finish the story. (laughs) Even before he finished it, David flips out and goes, who is that guy? I'm going to judge him. And then Nathan finished the story. You know what? That guy, David, that guy you're all ticked off about, you know, calm down, bro. Calm down. I got one more thing. I got the other side of the story. That guy, it's you. And you know what you don't read? David flipping out again. Oh, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to judge myself. He doesn't, you don't read that. No, you read that, that bustedness of being convicted by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says don't judge a matter before you hear both sides. You know, first one to plead his cases sounds right until his neighbor comes and reproves him. And Christians, we are guilty of that more than, that's, what, that's the root of gossip. One side of the story. You, you, you introduce me to anyone that has gossip, and I'll guarantee you they've only got one side of the story. And their standard for judgment is themselves. And Paul says, hey, I'm not, I'm not too concerned what you say. I'm not concerned, too concerned on how you... I, I'm, I stand before the Lord. And by the way, if you want to jot these down in Proverbs 18, verse... Turn over there. We really haven't turned. Proverbs is to the left. There's two verses right together that might free you from gossip tonight. Like, just deliver you. This will be the key that rescues you from that bottomless pit. In Proverbs 18, notice verse 13. It's so important that we get away from criticism. It's just a waste of our time. Even, and I know that sometimes we, we sort of sugarcoat criticism by calling it constructive criticism. Well, I'm just being constructive. You know, you, you got to choose one or the other. They don't, you're either going to be constructive and come alongside and edify and exhort a brother and help a brother, or you're going to be critical and you're going to destroy a brother and tear him down. You can't do both. You know, and sometimes you, you hear, well, you know, I'm just, going to, I'm just going to tear you down so I can rebuild you. But my Bible says that Jesus didn't come to, to quench or to, to, to completely destroy a broken reed, to quench out even the, the smallest of flame. He's always there to fan that flame and always there to heal the brokenhearted. So this whole idea of constructed criticism, maybe you just go back to prayer and say, God, how can I deliver this without any criticism at all? I mean, if it's something the Lord showed you, 
something you need to share, then it would be good. Just, Lord, how can I edify my brother with what you've shown me? Instead of getting on this trip of constructive criticism, it's just, you've just got a critical spirit and you're just trying to mask it with being constructive. Instead, you just use what the Bible says and to be edifying, to bring edification to the body. And edifying is correction or rebuke in love, speaking the truth in love. So verse 13, it says, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. This is for those of us that fall into the trap of when somebody's talking to us, we interrupt them. Don't you hate that? I am so guilty of that with Marie. She just, you know, she has the freedom. She just puts her hand over my mouth. Some of you wish you could do that sometimes. No. (laughs) But those of you that interrupt when somebody's talking to you, this is what this verse is talking about. You just listen to them. Don't answer it before he hears it. Because this is how it works, right? You're hearing them, you're listening to them, and you already think you have the answer, but they're not even halfway done yet. You don't even know what they're saying. But we're so eager, and it's not always a bad thing. It might be a bad habit, but it's not always a bad thing when you're wanting to help someone. But he who answers a matter before he hears it, it's folly. It's not wise. And it's specifically a good illustration of that is for those of you that, and those of us that interrupt and just instead of just letting people, because sometimes you'll interrupt and you'll have an answer and what do they say? That's not what I was saying. I don't know what you're talking about, but that's not what I meant at all. Why don't you let me finish? All those of you that are laughing, you know, you're like, that's it. And when, when somebody continually, repetitively says, let me finish, just put this memory, put this verse to memory so you can let them finish. And then maybe the Lord will give you wisdom. And then down in verse 17, same kind of thing. They go together. The first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. There's always two sides to the story. And there are always shades of the truth. And then you want that wisdom from heaven to be able to get in the middle and help somebody. Instead of taking one side. Usually you'll take the side of the person you like the most. And the Bible says don't take any side. Just take the Lord's side. That's what Joshua did. And he came, he said, Joshua asked the, the angel of the Lord, he came, whose side are you on? I love that, I love that answer. He just said, no. I'm not taking sides. I'm here on a mission from God. I'm from him. And so keep that in mind because usually we use the wrong standard in judging. The right standard is the word of God. The wrong standard is our own understanding. We compare people with people and we shouldn't be doing that. We compare churches with churches. We compare pastors with pastors. And we learn in this whole study of of the book to to the Corinthians that that leads to division. I'm of so-and-so, and and I'm of so-and-so. I'm of the Lord. And and it just creates all this. There's no need for comparison. Even Paul was confident he was faithful to do what God called him to do, even if no one understood him, even if no one agreed with him. He had a clean conscience before the Lord. And you know, it's true from a pastor's perspective, it's true for a pastor to be bombarded with boatloads of unrealistic expectations. And then when that expectation isn't met, then the person gets all upset, as if our sufficiency is in some man instead of the Lord. And it's very easy for a pastor to get overwhelmed because believers, we can go beyond what is written and expect to go beyond what is written. And it's been wisely said, I've shared it before, that Pastors often die the death of a thousand unrealistic expectations. 
and in the culture that we're in, then you just bail to the next church and go, oh, the next pastor is going to be better. And you find out that the next pastor is the same as the pastor last time. You haven't changed. And so then that guy doesn't do something. And then you go to the next one. You go to the next one and you wonder. You have to stop sometime and go, I wonder if it's not a pastor thing after all. I wonder if it's me. That the Lord's trying to teach me a lesson. And that we just have realistic expectations with one another. To support and love our leadership. Not putting any burden on them. That Just coming along to serve. Just being transparent. And, and seeing and catching the vision of a local congregation like this. And just catching the vision and saying, how can I serve? I don't want anything in return. I just want to serve the Lord. I want my gifts to be used. I, I desire to see fruit in the minute. I just want to be a part of it. I'm telling you, that is a blessing to any pastor any day of the week. Oh, you want to serve? Yeah. Can you go do that? Um, don't even need to tell me again. Every week it's going to be done. Or whatever it might be. Just to serve the Lord. So take care of your home. To take care of your kids. To, to grow in God's grace. And not bombard with false judgments. I mean, that's where Paul's at right now. They're, they're, they're railing accusations against him and criticizing him and, and because he's having to stand up in a... Criticism really never comes when we agree. Like when things are going well and I love this church and I love the pastor. But it's when we disagree that you're tested. What do you really love? Do you really love when, only when things go your way? Or do you really love what the Lord's doing in the ministry? That's the test. Because you realize, right, things are not always going to go your way. Anybody ever tell you that? It's true. Things aren't always going to go our way. We live in a fallen world filled with fallen people with all kinds of nuances and things that pastors don't even control. But see, Jesus promised to be your all in all. He died for you. Everything about Jesus is worth your commitment to him and your surrender to him. And, and when you grow through that, some, some people learn it very early. Some people take a few years to just really learn that I love the people that God's put in my life, but I really love Jesus more. He's my all in all. And then a servant gets hooked up with a pastor or a leader that's also a servant, and then they walk out together serving the Lord. That's beautiful. Transparent unto the Lord, where you just, just hey, I know I'm here, and I know have a, I have a role where we know each other and all, but, but really what's important is that the Lord gets glorified in our lives. And, and that's where Paul is. He's very gently but strongly going, hey, look, in fact, I don't even judge myself. That phrase is so important because this is a phrase that often we will fall into. And the end result is when we're judging ourselves, we find some error. And then the very next thing is we fall into the trap of condemnation. Because if you really did seek out to judge yourself, you'll find something wrong just about every time you take a breath. You'll, like, man, you just... And that's what condemnation is all about. And so it's a good thing just to learn, hey, I don't even judge myself. I just commit it to the Lord. It's not that you don't live an unexamined life. That's not what he's saying here. It's not that you don't lay your life before the Lord and, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to use the word of God to, to propel your life in a certain direction. That's not what he's saying. I think what he's saying is that I'm not critical of myself like you are. I know I'm a knucklehead. You don't need to keep reminding me of it. And I don't even take that critical spirit against myself. I just surrender my life to Jesus because he's the one that saved me. And Paul could go all the way back. Like, I still remember when I was on the way to Damascus, crazy, insane, going to kill people. And Jesus in love stopped me in my tracks and enlisted me in the ministry. I, I don't even, I'm not even critical like that with myself. 
But some of you are critical with yourself. You're your own worst. You don't need anybody to give you constructive criticism. You, before you wake up and get out of bed, you're already criticizing yourself. And you just need to fall upon the sufficiency that you have in Jesus. You are who you are by the grace of God. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you yield yourself to him, you'll change. You cooperate with him, you'll change. But if you're always under this load of condemnation and always beating yourself up for your failures, and the failure doesn't even have to be like recent, it could be years ago. You could still be kicking yourself. Because, you know, right now, if you know, right now what you know, if you knew it back then, you wouldn't have made the same decision. I know that. I have a lot of decisions like that in my life. That I, and if I knew then what I know now, no way, man. My life would have been totally different. But that's not the testimony of my life. I cannot go backwards and undo anything. All I can do is go forward in the grace and the forgiveness and the mercy of God and allow him to bring beauty from ashes and allow him to shower me in forgiveness and allow him to teach me how not to make those same sinful errors again, living in his strength. I don't even judge myself. It's not an unexamined life. An unexamined life is is not what Paul's encouraging here. What he's encouraging is that just like they were critical of him, and some people might be critical of you. I mean, some of you grew up in a home you grew up with parents or step-parents whatever, that just constantly, constantly, constantly. And, and then once you were released from that environment, you just picked up that habit on yourself. Like you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You'll never. And, and it's just something you started to believe, and it's not true. It's just not true. I'm sorry that, that you faced that kind of that, that difficulty growing up. I'm sorry that you, you had to hear that constantly. You'll never make it. You'll never make it. You know, you, it, it, parents, we make mistakes. We, we, make, we say the wrong things. We're not always the most encouraging that we need to be. But it's always wise to believe the truth. And you can just go through the scriptures. There's hundreds and hundreds of promises that God gives to you personally. That's what you need to start believing let me show you something. Just if, that, if this is you right now, let me show you something real quick. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. It's going to be to the right from 1 Corinthians. And like last week, we're making great progress on the verses. Um, we'll, we'll see what the Lord has here. I don't want to rush through it, but I do want to show you this. Look at Philippians. It's actually chapter 4. Well, really, it's chapter 3 and 4. So because Paul gives the principle in chapter 3, he says... In verse 13 of chapter 3, he says, and this whole chapter is really good, maybe for homework, read chapter 3 and 4. But in verse 13, he says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. And what does he say? Forgetting those things which are behind. That's one thing. That's the thing. You know, the one thing, I forget those things that are behind. Because he had a lot to regret. He had a lot that would bring shame to his family, bring shame to his family name. He, just personally, how could you possibly think you were doing God's will by wiping out believers in Jesus and the Messiah? He had a lot in his life, and he said, here's this thing. This is what I do, church. This is how I deal with it. I forget those things that are behind, and I reach forward toward those things that are ahead. And I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then verse 6 of chapter 4, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, that's the peace of God dissipates the condemnation of the enemy. That peace will guard your hearts and your minds, because then those are two things that, that constantly get bombarded. The peace of God will guard your hearts, that's emotions. 
You know, those that go up and down emotional, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Those of you that think, you thinkers, and for both of you, if you're thinkers and you're feelers, that's the peace of God that got you covered. Just trusting him. And then he says, verses 8 through 9, just these are the things you really should be thinking on. Here's what you flood your mind with. True, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous things, anything praiseworthy. Meditate on those. And that will free you. You won't live under condemnation or constructive criticism. You know, a lot of times, too, the, there's a, there is a, a, just a little nuance of this whole thing for those that would consider themselves perfectionists because it's never good enough, is it? And you just have to settle in your heart. I've done my best under the Lord. It's good enough. You'll save yourself like hours and hours of redoing everything all the time and being frustrated, never feeling like you've done enough. Maybe you're a perfectionist, not in just at work, but you're, you've carried that over and you're a perfectionist with the things of the Lord. And because you never think you do it right, and because you never think you get it right, and because you never think you're ever going to get it right, you just keep going and keep going. And it's like, a, it's like being on one of those stationary bikes. All the energy, all the effort, no progress. Which never doesn't make sense to me to ride one of those things. <laughs> just get out on a regular bike. <laughs> But the guys, you guys are in the gym, you're right, and you never move an inch, man. And spiritually that happens. All the energy and all the effort, it's not because you haven't tried. It's because you're on the wrong bike. You're on the bike of condemnation, and you need to be on the bike of grace. That's what will free you, the grace of God. Don't you love that about Paul? A great model of grace to us. This is Abounding Grace, and you're listening to a message from pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor. Simply go online to hear it again at calvaryco.church. Again, we're at calvaryco.church. If you haven't already downloaded the free Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps, simply search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. This is a great way to take in a steady dose of God's Word. Pastor Ed, we just entered into a new month today, and with that comes a new resource to share with our listeners. What do we have to offer here in May? Well, Larry, I am blessed to be able to offer a very good friend of mine's book entitled Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. You know, Ray Bentley is a pastor of Maranatha Chapel in San Diego, and and he is passionate about a lot of things. And the thing that he's most passionate about, apart from his walk with the Lord, is prophecy and the nation of Israel. And he put together this book not too long ago, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel. And it's the eye-opening book of little-known aspects of prophecy, like God's master plan revealed through the seven feasts of the Lord, the ingathering of God's people, and the ways Israelis are hearing God today, uh, significant prophetic patterns discovered through the lunar cycle, awe-inspiring testimonies of God's glory spelled out in the night sky. And some of this will be a fresh insight. It'll be different than what you have uh, normally heard, as he has devoted now 30-plus years of his life to studying prophecy. And so I suggest to you and hope you get it, whether you get it to support the ministry here or you get it on Amazon, just get it and grow in your understanding of God's plan for Israel and God's plan for the church as grafted in to God's master plan as his hearts turn to the Gentiles today. So get the book, The Holy Land Key by Ray Bentley. Of course, 
supporting abounding grace is so vital and so important. But even if you don't support us, it's okay. Get the book, grow an understanding of Jesus Christ and his rule and plan for the nation of Israel. And by the way, next time you hear of a pilgrimage and a tour of Israel, go. I know we've got one coming up in February of 2020, and we're looking forward to taking a bus full of men and women to walk through the Holy Land, and books like this will prepare you and ready you for such a great trip. So thanks for asking, Larry. These are great resources that we have handpicked, that I have handpicked, to help people build their spiritual library. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Don't miss our next study in the Word next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.